0: Hello, and welcome to the J. Clin Encyclopedia Activity, The Role of Neurobiologic Processes in Symptoms of Depression, by Michael E. Face, M.D., who is from the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine, the Philadelphia VA Medical Center, and the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. This activity is part of the Improving Outcomes in Depression CME Series, which was supported by an educational grant from Eli Lilly and Company. Several key areas of the brain are associated with the neurobiology of depression. Uh, these include the orbital, the dorsolateral, the anterior cigulate cortices, which are subregions of the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex is involved in executive functions such as problem-solving, abstraction, planning, and judgment. The orbital frontal cortex may regulate impulses, compulsions, and drive and is relevant to attachment and social interaction. The dorsolateral prefrontal cortex is integral to cognitive functioning, and the anterior cigulate cortex is a critical area for appreciation or anticipation of reward and for the regulation of certain emotions. Additional areas associated with depression are the amygdala and hippocampus, which are part of the limbic system. The amygdala is a key relay point for processing both positive and negative affective arousal. The hippocampus is important for the retrieval and storage of new memories. The hippocampus is also the site of neurogenesis in the brain and provides feedback inhibition to the hypothalamic-pituitary-adrenal axis, which is involved in stress response. PET scans have shown different levels of cerebral blood flow and glucose metabolism in these regions of the brain for depressed individuals versus controls. The amygdala and medial orbital cortex most consistently show increased activity among depressed patients, while the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex most often shows decreased activity. Uh, Neuroimaging studies of the brains of those with depression have also identified structural changes or volume losses with an interconnected neurologic circuit composed of regions of the frontal cortex and the deeper limbic structures, including the amygdala and hippocampus. This suggests that depression is associated with disruptions within multiple linked regions of the brain rather than within a particular structure. Also, these neurologic circuits are partially innervated by neurotransmission from noradrenergic and serotonergic bundles originating in nuclei in the brain, and decreased neurotransmission is associated with depression. Noradrenergic and serotonergic pathways are often co-localized and for many functions have somewhat opposing functional relationship. So if noradrenergic activation is alerting in a particular region, serotonergic activation in that region is inhibitory. While these monomine neurotransmitters contribute to depression in complex ways, their exact role is not known at this time. Depression is, in fact, a neurobiologically complex disorder with no single identifiable cause. Like other complex disorders, such as cardiovascular disease, cancer, and type 2 diabetes, depression is produced by multiple gene alterations and their interactions with various environmental factors. For instance, stress is an environmental factor that provides greater risk for depression while social support confers protection from developing depression. Caspian colleagues examined why some people, but not others, develop depression after stressful life events. In this prospective longitudinal study, healthy individuals were divided into three groups according to polymorphisms they carried in the promoter region of the serotonin transporter gene. Individuals may carry two copies of the long allele of this gene, which is fully functional for serotonergic neurotransmission. Alternately, they may carry two copies of the short allele of the gene, which is less functional, or they may carry one of each allele. The study showed that stressful life events experienced between 21 and 26 years of age were predictors of several outcomes for those carrying one or two copies of the short allele, but not for those carrying two copies of the long allele. Outcomes included having a diagnosis of major depression, increased uh, depressive symptoms, and suicidality. The risk for developing depression increased for those carrying the short allele as the number of stressful life events increased. However, no relationship was found between genetic risk and lifetime rate of depression for those same individuals in the absence of stressful life events. These findings suggest that a person's genetic makeup moderates his or her response to environmental insults. However, although environmental stressors can influence the initial development of depression in susceptible individuals, once the pattern of vulnerability is established, new episodes may emerge over time with progressively less provocation. Eventually, episodes may appear spontaneously. A large study of female twins demonstrated that after four episodes of depression, the number of previous depressive episodes became a greater predictor of subsequent episodes than the occurrence of recent stressful life events. Thus, what begins as a stress-sensitive process that is amplified in individuals with certain vulnerabilities, begins to manifest as a more autonomous process as the patient gets older and experiences more depressive episodes. One reason might be that genetic vulnerability and repeated exposure to environmental factors may lead to changes in the brain. For example, carrying the short allele of the serotonin transporter gene, leads to hyperactivities in the amygdala in response to environmental stress. This genetic polymorphism alone is not enough to predict a mood disorder, but these individuals show an inherited vulnerability to emotional reactivity in the area of the brain that has been implicated in depression. Additionally, structural MRI scans have shown a relationship between the short allele genotype and a reduction in gray matter volume of the amygdala and the interior cigulate. Having this genetic vulnerability may convey greater amygdala reactivity to environmental stressors and greater reactivity of the amygdala may over time result in structural changes of the brain. The association between structural changes in the brain and stress has been demonstrated in animal models. For example, subjecting adult male tree shrews to five weeks of psychosocial stress reduced both the number and somal volume of astroglia in the hippocampus of the shrews by one-fourth. One possible mediator of this brain-altering effect involves the suppression of various neurotrophic factors that are responsible for preserving both brain health and neuronal connectivity. These neurotrophic factors may also be involved in the differentiation of new neurons in the hippocampus. Animal models have shown that chronic stress or persistent pain can suppress the synthesis of brain-derived neurotropic factor, or BDNF, by at least 50 percent and sustain those losses over time. The suppression of BDNF may provide one potential pathway for the changes observed in particular regions of the brain. Sheline and colleagues studied hippocampal gray matter volume in humans with depression and found an inverse relationship between the number of lifetime days of untreated depression and hippocampal volume. That is, the longer that the patients were untreated, the smaller their hippocampus. As no relationship between hippocampal volume and the number of lifetime days of treated depression was found, The mediating factor in the progressive reduction of hippocampal size could be the stress associated with untreated depression. However, a relationship does not guarantee causality, and longitudinal studies are warranted to determine the causes of the lower hippocampal volume seen in these patients. The loss of volume in frontolimbic brain structures in patients with Depression may be the result of a reduction in neuronal volume and glial cell density in the neuronal cell number. The reduction in glial cell density appears to be the most prominent feature of cell pathology in depression, which is significant because glial cells are involved in several supportive processes for adjacent neurons. Glial cells supply glucose to neurons protect neurons against the deleterious effects of excitatory amino acids such as glutamate, participate in neurotransmitter modulation, and facilitate neuronal repair and survival by synthesizing and releasing neurotropic factors. The reduction in number and volume of glial cells may in turn make individual neurons decrease in size as well as in connectivity, These changes in the brain might contribute to episodes of depression beginning to emerge after progressively less environmental provocation and eventually appearing spontaneously. The progressive changes evident in the glial cells and neurons over time point to the need for the early identification of depression and for vigorous psychosocial and pharmacologic treatments for these patients. Thank you for listening to this presentation. To earn CME credit and to listen to additional audio presentations, go to cmeinstitute.com slash cyclopedia.